Welcome to Lambs to Lions. You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Matt Funk. Okay, so I've entitled this teaching, I don't like it, but I'll allow it. Ever heard that before? As a parent, I don't like it, but I'll allow it. Whenever you find yourself making this statement, ask yourself, is this thing that I'm allowing into my life and into my home going to build up my family or cause us to grow apart? I don't like it, but I'll allow it. See, I grew up in a home where if my dad wasn't liking it, he wasn't allowing it. And of course, as a rebellious teenager, I rolled my eyes and called him old fashioned, you know, but boy, do I appreciate it now. My father was a man of conviction, and he stood by that no matter what kind of pressure he was up against. And for that, I'll forever respect him. If he didn't like it, he wouldn't allow it into the home. And so today, I want to address how we can be more selective in what we allow into our lives, our minds, and in our homes. So starting with 2 Corinthians uh, 10, verses 3 to 5, they say this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So your first blank is don't allow anything in that goes against the knowledge of God. Don't allow anything in that goes against the knowledge of God. Now, we could park just on that verse this morning, but... I am diving deeper into that chunk in the actual message, so I'm not going to go too deep on that right now. But um, thank you, Darren, for sharing that that message version because I also had it in my notes, and I'm going to read it again because it's so profound. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing that entire massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and then building lives of obedience into maturity. So the first point I have for you guys is we need less manipulation and more maturity. I love the contrast in this verse between bending the truth and building on the truth. The world likes to bend the truth, manipulate it, market it. We're called to build on the truth as mature Christians. The world wages war with manipulation and marketing. We see it around us all the time. Nobody likes being manipulated. And yet we often allow it. And this is something that came to me yesterday. Manipulation is a sign of immaturity because kids are great at wearing you down and getting their way, manipulating you, right? They're just naturally great at it. One of the first words that kids learn is me, mine, I. It's about me, what I want. And they'll manipulate, manipulate you to get what they want. They want their way, right? But most of the time, it's only to benefit themselves, I want a candy while it's for me. I want this. I want this. They're manipulating you to get their way. And the benefit only goes to them. Now, I know kids are a gift from the Lord, but I'm just saying kids are great at manipulation until they grow into maturity, that is, right? 
we can be the same as Christians, as new believers, until we grow into maturity. Because, again, as we grow into men and women of God, we learn that maturity requires us to look beyond ourselves and make decisions that will affect not just us, but those around us in a positive way. It's no longer just about me or what I can get out of it. It's about how I can pour into others and build others up. And this is especially true. You really start realizing this when you get married or become a parent. All of a sudden, it's not just about you anymore. And it should be the same in our spiritual journey. When we're first born again, we need someone to feed us. We need somebody to take care of us, look after us, right? Because we don't know how to do it. We're like children. Then we grow into young men and we learn to feed ourselves. But now we're fathers. I believe everyone in this room is a spiritual father in some way, shape, or form. So now we need to learn how to shift gears and focus on how we can reproduce and pour into others by building them up. It's no longer just about us. And that's discipleship. That's growing into maturity. We don't use manipulation. We grow into maturity. Verse 8 says this, So even if I boast somewhat freely about the authority the Lord gave us for building you up, rather than tearing you down, I will not be ashamed of it. Thanks, Logan, for pointing that out. Again, back to the message version. It says this, Believe me, I am quite sure of my standing with Christ. You may think I overstate the authority he gave me, but I'm not backing off. Every bit of my commitment is for the purpose of building you up after all, not tearing you down. So the second point is we need less backing down and more building up. And I have yet to meet a man who likes to back down. But are there times where we do? Definitely, we do. Especially when the pressure gets to the point where we can't handle it. Same is true of our kids. Sometimes there's things that you're like, nope. And by the end of the day, they might have worn you down. You're like, just, just do it. I just want that nagging to go away. Just, just do, play that video game. You know, do, do, you know, they wear you down. Sometimes they can manipulate you until you're just so worn down, you just want it to go away, and then you give in. But there's so many other things in this world, too, that, can, that we can have a strong conviction about even and say, hey, no, I'm not going to go that way. I'm not going to do this. I was like that growing up. I had some strong convictions, but over time, I got worn down, and I started giving in to the things that I swore I'd never do. You know, But that's part of the world's way of manipulating you until you finally give in. But as men, we need to not back down. We need to focus on building up. I think that we need to understand that the opposite of backing down isn't necessarily attacking back. It's building up. It's not attacking back. It's building up. Remember, we don't wage war like the world does, and our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So we don't just attack back at each other. We, we build each other up, right? We don't need to back down. And that's what Paul's saying here. I don't, I don't need to back down. My whole purpose for being here is to build you up. So say what you will. Let the chatter go on. I'm not backing down. I know what God has called me to. I know where I stand with Jesus, and I'm going to continue to build you guys up, right? So don't back down. Build up. And yes, there will be, always the, there will be those that don't see the bigger picture, and they will criticize that which they don't understand. And that's usually the case. If someone's talking about somebody in a negative way, it's because they don't have the whole picture. They don't know what that person's going through or the influence that person's had or what they're walking through in that season. But if they're reaching people for Jesus, don't tear into them. 
If somebody's life is being affected by their ministry, don't talk down. Don't talk bad about them. Build them up, right? Because God has placed them in that season and in that position of authority for a reason, for a purpose. So who are we to say anything about what they should or shouldn't be doing? Maybe we're not directly affected by what they're doing, but we should still be building them up, not tearing them down. That's why it's so important that we surround ourselves with other godly men that will build us up, not tear us down. That's why this group is so important, because we're here to build each other up, not tear each other down. And I love what Pastor Matt said a few weeks ago, be careful who you let lay hands on you and speak into your life, because even that can have a really negative impact. I've had those, those moments in my own life where I'm like, man, I really thought this was going to build me up. And in the end, you feel condemned and you're like, it's like, wow, be careful who you let lay hands on you right? Verse 12 says this, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Sounds like a pretty foolish thing to do. Don't get caught in the comparison trap. And Pastor Matt touched on this a little bit, but comparing yourself to others is never going to build you up. It only brings discouragement. When you start comparing yourself it's either one of two things will happen. You will, you will look at someone and say, man, I'll never be as good as they are. You know, what's the point? Or you'll look at someone and say, well, at least I'm not like them. At least I'm better than them. And then pride creeps in. Like, either way, comparison is never beneficial to anybody, right? And that's what he's saying here. So point number three, we need to seek less affirmation from man and more approval from God. <clears throat> Have you noticed society is all about affirmation? Are you an affirming church? Do you affirm identities? They want that affirmation, right? Affirming our identity, affirming our success. And affirmation in and of itself is not a bad thing, but let's make sure that that's not all we're looking for. It's good to affirm your wife. You're beautiful. You know, affirm your children. You are loved by God. Your children, affirmation is not a bad thing, but let's make sure that, that, that that's not all we're looking for. Affirmation should still be to build one another up not to make ourselves look important. But God's approval should always trump man's affirmation. So how do we know when we have God's approval? And I love how this ties back to uh, Romans 12, what you were sharing on last week, Rick. Romans 12, verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we know that we have God's approval? Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will. It starts in, in the mind, transforming, renewing, not conforming. To conform means to comply. The definition of comply is to conform, submit, or adapt as to a regulation or to another's wishes as required or requested. He's calling us not to conform. We don't conform to the ways of the world. Instead, we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Then, then we will be able to test and approve what God's will is. And transforming our minds begins with being aware of what we're letting in to our minds, right? I want to call this out as men and as spiritual leaders of our houses for a second. We need to be aware of what God has for our families, what his will is for us and our family. Don't let the enemy twist the truth on you. It is our job as parents to train our kids in the way they should go. It's not up to our teachers, schools, or education systems. And if we know something is not in line with God, God's word, 
let's not allow it into our minds because what we allow into our minds will affect our homes. We as men need to be guarded into what we, um, we need to be guarded against what we allow into our minds because what we allow into our minds as men is going to affect the spiritual climate of our whole households. And if we're the leaders, we need to be all that much more aware. And again, like he says, be transformed by the renewing and then you will be, be able to test, you know, and approve the will of God. So I'm just going to say that we need pure, clear minds if we want to lead our families in a way that honors God. Having clarity in our minds will help us make those tough decisions that we need to make as fathers. And our kids may not always understand now, that was me, probably all of us, but they will thank us later. Like I said at the beginning, if my dad didn't like it, he wouldn't allow it. And he stood on that. Frustrated me to no, to no end, but if he had said no, it was no. I remember I wanted a Game Boy, and he said no. And I would, I would ask again and again, and I could feel him wearing down. I could feel it, but he never gave in. It was always, he's like, no, this isn't going to be helpful. You're going to sit there and play and play and play. And, and he, he wanted to see us do something productive. He'd buy us musical instruments. He would set, he'd buy us bikes. He would do all these other things to get us outdoors, creativity. But a Game Boy, he's like, nothing is going to, nothing good's going to come out of this. I just wanted it to have fun. But he's like, no, I'm going to buy you a piano. I'll buy you a guitar, whatever you want, but I'm not buying you a Game Boy. And he never gave in. I got older and older and older and I kept nagging him. I want a Game Boy. And he never gave in. I'm thankful for it. Now I play Mario Kart with my kids. But is it always beneficial? No. And I'm thankful that I didn't have that. Like looking back now, I wrote a ton of songs, even as a, you know, as a young teenager that I never would have written if I'd had video games because of my world would have completely shifted. So I'm thankful for it now. But then again, he was a man of conviction. And if he had said no, it was no. So, and, and I respect him for that, you know. I respect him for the decisions that he made for the sake of his family. He wanted us to, to thrive. He wanted us to grow. He wanted us to get outdoors. He wanted us to be healthy. He wanted us to be creative. And I'm, I, I'm so thankful for it now. So today's takeaway, something that you can take away from this whole teaching, is don't allow what God didn't approve. Don't allow it. If God didn't approve it, don't allow it into your minds, into your homes, into your families. Test it. Say, hey, is this something that God would approve of? Is this something that he would want in my household? Is this something that's going to build us up or tear us apart? You know, don't allow it. If God didn't approve it, don't allow it. And stand on that. And then I found this verse in Job, uh, in chapter 11. It's actually three verses, uh, verses 13 to 15. Read, read this whole thing if, if, you, if you have a chance to later today. It's so good, Job chapter 11. But these verses really stood out to me in context to what we're talking about this morning. And it says this, Yet if you devote your heart to him, and you stretch out your hands to him, if you put away the sin that is in your hand, and allow no evil to dwell in your tent, then, free of fault, you will lift up your face, and you will stand firm and without fear. Calling us to be aware of what we're allowing into our dwellings, into our homes, even into our minds. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak to us right in the season we're in. We thank you that your word is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And I pray, Father God, that today as we, as we dove into some, 
some deeper topics, Lord, that, that we wouldn't feel condemned but convicted. And if there's any changes that we need to make in our minds, what we allow into our minds, what we allow into our homes as fathers, as spiritual leaders, Father God, that you would search our hearts and, and reveal those things to us so we can make the changes we need to make to be better husbands, better fathers, and better spiritual leaders. We thank you that your grace is always sufficient, even in the areas where we do mess up, Father God. Nobody's perfect. Nobody has it all together. But Father God, we are saved by grace and by grace alone. Nothing we have done or haven't done so that none may boast. Father God, we thank you for your grace. And we thank you that you're with us as we walk into this next week. And I pray that you would lead us, guide us, empower us to make wise decisions with clear minds and clarity in our decisions. Thank you for your grace on us and your blessing on our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in today, and thank you for continuing to partner with us and for giving so generously to this ministry. If you would like to find out more about how you can partner with us, visit our website at www.wherepeoplematter.church and click the giving link. And don't forget to subscribe and share this with your friends. See you next time.